hate this place. I do. Ed Graney. I'm telling you, I hate it. Tyler Bischoff. I'm in a hostile environment. I am completely unprepared. I'm surrounded by people who probably want to kick my ass. It's like being back in high school. On ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, here we are. Why does Jared oh. always look confused when we start the show? No, that was, that was my... I jumped the gun. Did I jump the gun? No. No, you didn't. My I thought head, I did. My headphones cut out whenever uh. I... At the least opportune time. So I turn on his mic. I All of a sudden, my headphones go dead. Oh, and so head. I start immediately going, okay, how do I fix this? How do I? Oh, they're, they're, they're back. It's oh, they're bad. gone again. Jared looks confused or panicked when we start the show like 50% <laughs> of the time. And he's the one in control of everything. He's got all the buttons. If anyone should look panicked, it's us. You're, you guys are on the air. Exactly. I just we're can't, actually, I just can't hear you. You don't sound very confident when you say that. <laughs> I'm not very confident. <laughs> We've done plenty of shows that weren't on the air, so. <laughs> That's right. We did a really good segment during a uh, flash flood warning one time. I remember that. <laughs> What's going on? Nothing. Nine straight. They may never lose <laughs> oh, again. Jesus. Can they we get to that lose. later? I pulled things. Did, oh, you did? You pulled things? All right. Yeah, we'll get to that later. They may never lose again. The first bite. Will Darren Waller be at more Aces games or Raiders practices this week? Well, he's at practice. We just never see him. He's he's there. What is he, Richie Incognito on the treadmill well, up on the second level? We're, we're too far away to even <laughs> notice that. We're too far away to even notice that. Yesterday, we got a new vantage point on the other side of the field were in the far, corner. Did, were you farther away? Yeah, farther away from drills. <laughs> It was weird. We they were, found a better place to hide you? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, it, was, it was far away yesterday. Uh, different vantage point. So I'm almost certain he's in the facility somewhere, but he's not at practice. So my, I guess my question is, how does that quantify? Because he knew he was at the Aces game Participating in practice. Oh, Aces games. Because <laughs> don't they, not <laughs> they Sunday. Have, they have two more this No, week. he'll be at the game on Sunday, the football game. But are, we, how are you sure about that? Yes, he'll be at the football game. But they have another, they have again another game before Seattle? Yeah, they have two more home games, both this week. And he was there last night? And he was there last night. Oh, so I'm taking the Aces. He'll be at two, most likely he'll be at two Aces games. Yes, comparative to when he'd be on the field. Yeah. Because the, the, the they're no, we wouldn't know today because there's no availability. There are the media's shut out today. So, so Thursday and two Friday, days, two days, two aces games. I'm taking the aces. Oh man, taking the aces for so, sure. All right, if we want to read way too much into this, Darren Waller has not. He's missed three practices. Granted, it's been like a week because the Hall of Fame game and some off days were sandwiched in between those three missed practices. Obviously, he could be injured. Right. There's no injury reports in training camp. So Josh McDaniels doesn't really say anything. He could be looking for a new contract. That's been talked about a lot this offseason. He's been asked about it. He's said most of the time that he's going to play and let his agent figure it out. But obviously that could still be an issue. Is it reading too much into it that he was sitting two seats away from Mark Davis last night at the Aces game and was talking to Mark Davis? It's not like they were ignoring each other. He talked to Mark Davis during the game last night. Is that too much to read into it, that if he wanted a new contract, he wouldn't be all chummy next to Mark Davis at an Aces game? Yeah, and I also think, I think that's right, and I also think with as many people who cover that team, and there's a lot, and there's a lot of information, legitimate, uh, not so legitimate people, but who cover that team, 
I think if he was holding in, we would have heard. Right. I, that's that's uh, been the biggest someone detail. Someone would have found yeah. out something and said, oh, it's not an injury. He's holding it. Because if you're Darren Waller and you're Darren Waller's agent and you're holding in because you want a new contract. Someone's telling you, something. You're telling the media Somebody, because yes. you want everybody to know, hey, the team's not paying. I mean, we just right. saw Roquan Smith yesterday go to Twitter and tweet out like, 17 paragraphs yes. about why I want to trade yeah. and why the bears aren't giving me the contract I want. So I assume so too, but I will say this. It's not like he had a cast on yesterday at the aces game. It's not like there was a clear injury, right? He looked perfectly fine. So maybe he's just been out managing a minor injury, but it didn't, it, there was no obvious. Oh yeah. Darren Waller's clearly hurt. He looked perfectly fine sitting on the sideline or the cheering court side. Oh yeah was cheering the entire time. They they had a like 15 second after the game shot of, of, him. of Kelsey Plum walking up and giving him a hug and him talking to Mark Davis and uh, Steve Sisolak was next to him. So ah. it wasn't like uh. he was limping around or on crutches or anything like that. I do wonder if he was on crutches, would Josh McDaniels have told him not to go to the Aces game and sit courtside? I, I think Josh McDaniels so zeroed in, he wouldn't even know there was an Aces game. <laughs> He's still worried about football. He's still football centric. Are you like, are they playing tonight? I don't think they. And, I don't think. And what have. are those? <laughs> I'm, he did congratulate them for winning winning the cup. Uh, he did yeah. congratulate Mark Davis. So he he knew, or someone told him that. Someone or told he him. Knew. I mean, he might have known. I, I'm Imagine, not so sure. But he's so locked into football. I'm not sure he should know the Aces are playing. And Imagine, we would have had that sound had they turned on his microphone while he did it. Imagine explaining the Commissioner's Cup to an NFL coach. In the middle of training. Camp. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh. hey, so the WNBA team won the Commissioner's Cup. Oh, they won the championship? No. Not really. <laughs> They're in the middle of the season still. But they do this little tournament that's not really a tournament. They just have a one-off game between two really good teams in the middle of the yeah. season. And they get a trophy for it. Can you imagine a football coach saying, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're only looking at one one championship, one trophy. No, I don't think I look. I don't think he's at the Aces game last night. If there's contention, I don't think he's sitting two two seats away from the owner. If there's contention, um, I think he's probably nursing Actually, a small injury. And they're probably saying, "Why would he play anyway?" I have a new theory for you. My limited knowledge of where Mark Davis sits at Aces games. So Darren Waller, he this year he has been sitting courtside next to the opponent's bench opposite of Mark Davis. Yes. There are like six seats or so between the opponent's mm -hmm. bench and the scorers table. Mm -hmm. And that's where Darren Waller has been sitting for the majority of the year. Normally Mark Davis sits on the other side of the floor, courtside first row, Mid -court, but on the yep. other side of the floor. Here's my new theory. Darren Waller is holding in and Mark oh, no. Davis changed seats so that he could sit closer to Darren Waller and try to, you know, be all nice and friendly so that Darren Waller would show back up to practice. That's some theory. That's, That's some hot theory. some hot take. Why else would Mark Davis change his seats? Why else change would he Waller's seats? No, he changed his seats. Mark Davis walked. He sat on the other side of the court. Do you he remember the episode of Seinfeld where Steinbrenner goes, I'm going to go scalp some tickets. Yes. <laughs> Maybe Mark Davis was just like, Darren, you got an extra ticket? Y yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to go make 50 bucks. <laughs> That's my that's my new theory. Mark Davis right. changed his seats to sit closer to Waller to try to so convince he could whisper him, in his ear. Yep, to try say, to convince buddy, what's him happened? to get back to practice. He was probably like, "Hey, the Aces, they're going to win the title this year. None of these girls held out. <laughs> they didn't sit out during training camp. They were all happy. Mm. Come back to practice." That's some theory, buddy. That's you. my new theory for all you. Right. That's what that's happened yesterday. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you.
You were there yesterday, apparently far away, so maybe you didn't see this very well. No, this was close to us. Oh, you were close to this. This, okay. was, this was as close as they were all day to us. So how was the Max Crosby-Dylan Parham fight? The, I thought it was a lot more pushing. Adam Adam Hill uh, swears he saw some punches thrown. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a lot more pushing, uh, much ado about nothing. The big part about it was is the first time in a Josh McDaniels camp that there was, I should say, a scuffle. The first time they kind of got into it with each other. Okay, so yesterday we were trying to determine if it was a fracas, a yeah. me- a melee. It or, wasn't a melee. Or a Donnybrook. Yeah, Donnybrook. It no, wasn't fracas. a fracas. Okay. Fracas was a, is yes. a good word? Okay. Yeah, fracas a is scuffle? a good word. Scuffle. 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 <laughs> That's a good word. That's a good word. All right. Was it like good thing? Like, oh, yeah, they're they're angry in training camp. It's like, or do you sit there and say, maybe not Max Crosby. Like, let's let some of the... <laughs> Let's let some yeah. of the third stringers well, uh, fight it out. They literally didn't block Max Crosby on one play yesterday. <laughs> so maybe they started getting mad at that. But on the one-on-ones, I don't think he got blocked one time. It so, was amazing. So was it Dylan Parham starting it because they were mad they couldn't well, block Crosby? They, it was it was a scrum in the middle because they all rushed. So I don't know who pushed who first. But you know they, they were the two that kind of emerged as the ones going at it. Um, again, at, you know, text in Adam. Tell me I'm wrong. Text in, Adam. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Give him the text line, Come Tyler. On. Come on, text in, even though Adam's probably asleep at this point. Um, he's got his hour of sleep. So I didn't see. He he said there were a couple punches thrown. Maybe uh, Q can text in. I know Q was there as well. well. I saw a lot of pushing. Q is where I got the, I believe he he was the one who said scuffle. Like he down, good, he yeah, downgraded it yeah. several levels. Yes. All right, important question. Were there any coaches involved? I don't believe so. Did I you see the Giants fight? No. So the, no. the Giants had a training camp fight that was a real one. That was more serious than this. And one of the, I think it was the offensive line coach for the Giants shoved one of the players. Like he was in the middle of it and shoving players away. And there was an actual punch involved in that one. John Felicia. at the coach. No, no, no. The, so apparently what happened is the offensive line coach ran in and shoved away one of the linebackers right to one of the offensive linemen and the offensive lineman sucker punched that guy who got pushed to him. It was like they tag teamed on this was not that this was not that we didn't have, you know, Josh McDaniels running in shoving Shoving people, shoving somebody away. Not that I saw. I did not see coaches trying to shove people into other people. And then Dylan Parham just waiting with a fist for the guy that's falling to the ground. From what I saw, they handled it themselves. (laughs) Okay. Too bad. I like the I like the whole coaches fighting the players type yes. thing. That's fun. That'd have been great. Yeah, it would have been more interesting if you had a coach there. All right. Um, do you have all right? To me, it was a failure by the Raiders to not change media availability yesterday and immediately get AJ Cole and Daniel Carlson in front of a mic because, because of the fight. Oh yes, they. You should have had those two breaking down the train. There should be a video out today. <laughs> With the from the I'll Raiders, text Eddie. that's like that's like a video of the fight and AJ Cole and Daniel Carlson doing like play by play of it. AJ Cole would have been great, right? Those two are phenomenal. Yeah. They're the ones that in the middle of the season are like, well, if the long snapper didn't have thumbs, I think I could take him in a fight. <laughs> or would you rather if your I think it was, what was it if your dog's being attacked? We can say this. Would you rather be by a python or an alligator? Oh yeah, I Who saw would that you tweet. Fight? Who would you fight? I saw that tweet. Well, the answer was neither. Yeah, that was uh, that was we we but were very brave. If my dog's being attacked by either one, right. it's over. If he's already being attacked, the alligator will. Well, it wasn't. A, it yeah, wasn't I'm pretty a, sure his dog is like 
It wasn't He's over, beat. and I don't know where this was because I saw the video Adam showed me. It wasn't over for the dog. The python had it in its grips, and these kids, I don't know what country they're in, these kids literally undid the python so the dog could get loose. Really? Yeah. It oh, was, wait, I think I have seen that video. Yes. But those they, kids started, like, those kids, one person's filming it, and the kids come out of the woodwork. Yeah, yeah. and the kids all run in if and get the python multiple out. people, can one of them grab the python's mouth or face, head, at the neck? That way, the you head don't get bit and was everybody not, else can unravel. The head, and if Jared seen it, the head was not in view, but right. these kids were taking the body and just unwrapping the dog as the python tried to, you know, secure it and contract. If I've got multiple people, I think it might be easier to take the python. I don't know. Well, I'm. If it's just snakes, me, I think I'm taking the alligator. I'm taking because, the alligator snakes. because you can conceivably. Throw things at the alligator and get it to go away. Throw a rock at the head. Yeah. The snake, yeah. If it's just me, I'm done for, too. Me and the dog are getting wrapped up and eaten. Yeah, I don't like like snakes at all. All right. Coming up next, we'll get into (laughs) some fun from Major League Baseball. Turn into right field. I think he did. (laughs) He has passed Ichiro for the second most home runs by a Japanese-born player, 118 of his career. And he now has the team lead with 25. He's the starting pitcher. It's 5 nothing Halos. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. Ed, did you see any of Yankees Mariners last night? Uh, only on Twitter. The Yankees lost in the 13th inning. The Yankees managed to seemingly, the ghost runner on second to start extra innings, the Yankees managed to run that guy into an out seemingly every single inning of that game. Um, but yeah, the Mariners ended up winning one nothing in thirteen. That's six straight. I'm trying to keep track. Yankees are no, uh, they won. They won okay. the first game. Still scuffling. Yeah, but it's now six of seven that they've lost. Yeah, and they're officially no longer in first place in the American League. Well, we know who is. Yeah, they have the same record as the Astros. Astros have the tiebreaker because they went right. five and two against them. So no longer the best record. Although you could convince me the two seed is better than the one seed. So start losing some games. <laughs> Let's not get the one seed. Not a good thing there. Um, some fun stuff in baseball yesterday, though. Uh, did you see Rodolfo Castro of the Diamondbacks sliding into third base and his iPhone falling out of his pocket? He I... is going first to third on a base hit, slides into third, and just right out of the pocket, his iPhone comes out. And the third base umpire... It's the Pirates. Yes, yeah, Pirates, excuse me, not Diamondbacks, was playing the Diamondbacks. And the third base umpire gives yeah. like a double take and is like, wait a minute, what? And points out, like, there's a phone on the field. I took away from that that he does not have a case on his phone. Oh, th- me too. <laughs> Did you this see guy that? is playing without a case. <laughs> He's, He's got his case, case on his phone. He's just living everyday life yes. without a case on his iPhone. I mean, how do you do that? How and do you then, not have a case? Yeah. And then he almost steps on it. Yeah. And here's the, like, okay, here's my question. This was his second at bat of the game. This was not like first inning, his first time at the plate. This was his second at bat of the game. They're in the fourth inning. So do you believe that Rodolfo Castro played four innings of baseball with his iPhone in his pocket? Yes. Or do you believe at some point in maybe the third inning, he went and checked his phone for some reason and just absentmindedly stuck it in his pocket and went out to hit? I think he played with it for four innings. (laughs) For four innings? In his pocket, yes. He would, like... He wouldn't have noticed? I mean, maybe he does it on purpose. Maybe he always does, and this is the first time we know because he slid in and he lost it. Maybe this guy walks around with his phone in his pocket all the time. It's the first time he's gotten on base, so it's yes, the first time exactly. it's come out. I mean, 
this does remind me of my favorite Tim Raines fun fact that he literally had cocaine in his back pocket every time he played, so he slid into every base <laughs> face first. So that way he was like, well, I got cocaine back there. I'm not breaking it. <laughs> he did. Castro did slide in face first. Oh, that he's yeah, that he still it still came so out of the pocket. He was front pocketing that because uh, that's the only no, no, it was back it was in, There are no front pockets. It was yeah, back pocket. pocket. It just it just fell out. Popped out. The iPhone might be bigger than the pocket. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing, but he's playing with his phone in his pocket, which I could I guess I it's like the wife or girlfriend be pregnant and he's just waiting for the call. Oh. <laughs> What's he gonna leave second base? <laughs> that would be great. Just. <laughs> Time out. out, guys. Time out. <laughs> like, I feel like there's somebody else that's a part of the team that's not actively participating in the game that could get that call and let him know. Well, he gets the call, and then he texts him out at second yes. base. I got the call. <laughs> so, yeah, somebody plays with their phone. How many baseball players do you think oh, have a phone very, in their pocket? Very small percentage. How many have done it on accident? Very small percentage, but some. So they banned I, Apple Watches. Because I think in the pre, I think pregame, there'd be guys with their phone in their pockets. Because I'm assuming, my assumption here is you're in the clubhouse, you're getting dressed, right? And you go out right before the game starts to For take BP the field. Or or something. Well, no, during BP, whatever, you got it in your pocket. But after BP, after everything, we're like 10 minutes from the game starting, right? You're in the clubhouse, you finally get dressed, you set your phone down in your locker. And then you go out to the dugout or onto the field or whatever you're going to do. I'm guessing that's what everybody does. And this guy just maybe slipped it in his pocket instead of set it in his locker and ran it onto the field. But he also played three full innings before it fell out, <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> Otherwise, he went into the clubhouse during an inning, checked to his get phone. his phone, checked it, and then put in, which is even worse because you're in the middle of a game. I like you said, I could see like I can't see it, but I could see it more so that it's before the game and you slip in your back pocket and you forget. It. Right. But if you actually go in during the game <laughs> to check your phone and then put it in your back pocket, there's a problem. Or he's just playing like PUBG Mobile on his phone when they're up to bat because he's like I play for I play for the Pirates. <laughs> Would you be mad if your DH was on his phone during games? No, I'd love it. Oh, the DH? The DH, yep. He's on his phone. And and I'll I'll even give you this. He's on his phone when the other team is batting. He's not he you don't even he's, he's not checking even, his phone. He's just on his phone. He's on Twitter, whatever the hell he wants to be on. He's playing a game. Right? He, <laughs> he does he doesn't need to pay attention because the other he's team's playing hitting. a baseball game. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't need to pay attention. The other team's hitting. I you could maybe argue when your team's hitting, even if he's not up, well, study the pitcher. But other teams up to bat, he's your DH. Do you care if he's on his phone in the dugout? The single, see the dugout. That's that's one thing. What I want is the DH walking up to the on deck circle, staying on the phone, not taking a single practice <laughs> swing. Oh, I'm up. Throw it to the dugout. Throw, Walk it, to the over. Bat, throw it to the bat boy. Yeah, the and bat then just strike right out on three straight yeah. pitches. Have the bat boy hand him back the phone and him walk back. Maybe into we the found. Dugout. Maybe we found the problem with Joey Gallo. He's on his maybe, phone. Maybe he's on the phone all the time. He maybe got hit I, last night. I found, he did. He got a double, screeching double. Yeah, yeah. Um, screeching, screeching double. double. Hit the heck out of that ball. Uh, it's going. It's I going. don't know it's if I double. have a huge issue on the situation you said with the other teams batting. It's the DH. He's got yeah. nothing to do. He's just hanging out. Those guys are just messing around the dugout anyway. Most of them. Yeah. Do you think in his prime, 
if you asked David Ortiz, hey, where's your glove? He would have been able to find it. <laughs> I think he played enough first base that yes. Okay. I think he played just enough that he'd be. But he's yes. begging to go in, probably. Might have been. I feel like you'd be bored if you were an everyday DH, right? Oh, yeah. That's like, Albert Bulls literally like begged to play first base because he was like, I I can't hit unless I play first base. And they're like, eh, your foot's messed up. <laughs> You're old. All right. Something else fun from baseball yesterday. Uh, the Mets, they were not playing the Phillies yesterday, but the Mets color analyst is Keith Hernandez. And Keith Hernandez apparently has missed both Mets series against the Phillies this year, and he's going to miss the next Mets series against the Phillies. And the the play-by-play analyst was sort of poking at him, like, why are you missing these games? And Keith Hernandez eventually said that he asked SNY, they're the TV uh, company that broadcasted, he said he asked SNY to not let him call games against the Phillies because he doesn't like watching them play. <laughs> He was, he's quoted as, as far as fundamentally and defensively, the Phillies have always been just not up to it. <laughs> what does this guy have against them? That is crazy. It speaking is speaking Jared of Seinfeld. I mean, we did get told today by, or to, not today, uh, earlier this week by David Roth that like Keith Hernandez will just get bored during a game and start <laughs> riffing. That is phenomenal. He's just ta- like... He's just taken out. It's a phenomenal team. that he's actually asking off, and they're allowing it. Yeah, and it's phenomenal that he's just ripping a team. The Mets are not playing, and he's not even. He's just saying they play baseball so poorly. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to watch, watch it. And here's the thing: this year's Phillies team is like the best Phillies team in like well, six or seven years. Say, what are they? What if they meet in the playoffs? Right. He's going to miss playoff games because they he might. doesn't like watching the Phillies. They could very easily. Well, uh, he actually did say on there. He's like, I actually might want to watch him play this year. So <laughs> this is like a years long thing that he's just like, that team sucks. Don't make me watch them. Cause I'm just going to get angry instead. But like just random, they're not even playing the Phillies and he's just out here taking shots at them, which is great. And now you've got, Phillies fans that are mad at Keith Hernandez. It actually <laughs> it actually made it the Phillies broadcast during yesterday's game talked about it right after Keith oh, Hernandez. Absolutely. Said it. Like they you saw know it they on heard Twitter it or whatever. Saw it on Twitter. Absolutely. And they started making fun of it too. Yes. Which is and again, the Phillies are actually kind of good this year. They haven't been good in the past, but it's like they're they're in a they if it ends today, they're in the playoffs. Yeah. And by the way, the other point here is that the Mets for the last, whatever, six or seven years, they've been atrocious too. They had one of the biggest right. collapses in like regular season history last year, where they went from, what were they, in first place as late as July yeah. something? As and, late as or was it almost, even August. Almost now. Yeah, and then completely collapsed, and the Braves went from under 500 to in the, the World Series. Win the World Series. Like, they had a terrible collapse because they suck just as much as Keith Hernandez thinks the Phillies does. All right, coming up next... Ben Goats joins the show. I want to win a championship. I've had all the individual success I could possibly ever have dreamed of accomplishing. I've got four MVPs. I'm an honorary black belt. I'd like to uh, to win another Super Bowl. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. So we don't have Ben Goats. Jared is telling us the phone is not ringing when he calls it. Um, Ed, should should we text Ben to call us? Uh, I'm texting him right now. It's okay. great live radio. <laughs> I said we were going to do it on the air because yeah, exactly. the phone is broken. I don't know. Jared's trying to call now and see if it actually works here. 
Nope, does it? Yeah. Can you? Can we text Ben to just call us and see if that works? Any chance you can call us instead? <laughs> 702-364-1100? Question mark. Ed's voice to text live on the radio. Excellent. Wait, did we just give out the hotline? No, no. He gave out the regular number that people call hey, in anyways. Hey, Jared hey, got Ben on is. the phone. Okay. So we'll have Ben Goats in... Just moments. The Golden Knights have made two signings on restricted free agents this week. Keegan Colasar and Nick Waugh both locked up. And joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Goats. Good morning, Ben. Hello, How Benjamin. Are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Oh, We're good. good. All right. Before, though, before. Before what? Congratulations on his wedding. Oh, that's right. Yes. Mazel tov. There you go. You're, uh, Thank you very much. There you go. I just got married in Iowa like everyone dreams of as a kid, <laughs> just with all the stalks of corn in the background. It was beautiful. Uh, I unfortunately what? have family in Iowa, and I have been in that state more than I would like to have been in the state of Iowa. Why did you get I've married in Iowa? I've been in Iowa. That is where my lovely now wife uh, okay. you know, grew up is from. Her parents lived about a half an hour from our venue. So I too have been to Iowa for more than I have, you know, been expecting <laughs> in my life. So I was told very early on in the engagement process that, uh, it was tradition that, you know, you go near the bride's family or she gets to pick where we're going. I didn't question that. I didn't look it up, but I just assumed <laughs> that she was telling the truth and not just trying to twist me. So, uh, I was not involved in the decision-making process, and that's where we ended up going. Perfect. Although it was in Iowa, not so perfect. But congratulations, Ben. You're lucky Ed didn't ask you to come on the show the day of your wedding. Well, it was a 50-50 shot. That is the win. <laughs> and the great thing is he would have said, sure. Yes. <laughs> All right, here's a hockey question for you. Hold on, i got to do my vows. <laughs> uh, do you believe, if we're looking at the forward group, do you believe the Golden Knights are going to be too top-heavy this season? Yes, to start out the season, for sure. I think depth is going to be a major question mark heading into this year. I mean, you just look at, you know, theoretically what Bruce Cassidy could throw out there on paper. Uh, what Kelly McCrimmon was talking about, you know, after the season of what he thought was a really good fourth line of William Carrier, Nick Waugh, and Keegan Colasar. I mean, that sure looks like it's going to be their third line, potentially, you know, entering training camp. And then you've got maybe Brett Howden, uh, Michael Amadio, and you could even throw like a Jake LeCision in there on the fourth line at left wing. Basically, they've had to move a bunch of guys basically up a full rung uh, on the depth there just because they've cleared out uh, so many guys, obviously, in the past couple years where you're moving out, you know, an Evgeny Dodonov. They've obviously moved out an Alex Tuck to get Jack Eichel. Uh, moving Max Pacioretty obviously doesn't affect your uh, bottom six, but that does mean that someone else is going to have to get pulled up into that spot, which I would imagine could potentially be a William Carlson or a Chandler Stevenson. So you've got you know a group of six guys that I think they can still feel pretty good about in the top six, so you're still going to miss that Max Pacioretty goal scoring. Um, but this definitely is a roster that doesn't have, at least it appears right now, you know that especially Alex Tuck presence that was so, so difficult for opponents to deal with where the Knights' depth was just impossible to match up against. I think right now they are presenting significantly less matchup issues down the lineup than they have in years past. And I think it's going to be interesting with the new staff coming in that 
they're probably going to have to teach this group a different way to win than before, which you know, can either be a positive or a negative depending on how things shake out. But I think that kind of identity that this team has always talked about in the past of we want to be a four-line group that kind of sends wave after wave after wave at opponents, I don't know if necessarily that's going to be the formula for success next year, unless some of these guys really end up surprising us once training camp and the regular season roll around. Uh, you, I, I, I don't know if I should have been surprised, but right when I saw the Nick Waugh contract, I was surprised. Did you think it was going to be five years for that, that, that kind of money? Is that, is that a fair contract for him? I think it is a fair contract for him for now, especially be, because they managed to get him longer term. So obviously I think if he had just gone the arbitration route, which he declined to do, I assume because they were working on this long-term deal. I think he was looking at probably like a, a $2.2 million contract to a $2.5 million contract, you know, in a one or a two year deal. Those are kind of the comparables when you dig into the numbers on websites like cap friendly that are very helpful and kind of giving you estimates at what this kind of stuff is going to cost. So if you bump that up saying, okay, now we're going to have him go longer term, and this is going to buy out some of what would be his unrestricted free agent years. I think $3 million, you know, kind of does make sense. You can get there, especially if you think, and I would imagine this is probably going to be the case hitting the training camp. He is now going to be your third-line center, presumably moving forward if you move a Carlson or a Stevenson up to left wing um, in the top six. So I think that contract does you know, kind of bear out, I think it makes sense for the Knights to try to lock him in long-term now because that gives them cost certainty pretty much throughout the rest of the flat cap era. And hopefully by the end of Nick Law's contract, we're talking about a salary cap that's now into the 90 million range instead of, you know, going up 1 million every single year. So I think there's, you know, logic to it. I know, especially with the two RFA contracts that the Knights have kind of announced so far i think there was some surprise at some of the numbers but you know just digging into how this kind of works and both those guys were eligible for arbitration which means that you know kind of comparable contracts lock in for why i think it makes sense that they gave him a little bit of bump to lock him up longer term than what he would be before and then same with keegan colasar who he was looking at you know a similar number to that if they had gotten to uh, arbitration which this hearing actually would have been today uh, before they figured that out he was roughly looking at that same probably 1.4 million dollar number maybe even a little bit less but the knights add another year on to what he could have gotten in arbitration make it a three-year deal take away one of his unrestricted free agent years and that's how you get to the figures that they did so that i used the extra cap space they got with trading away patrick and coglin you know i think presumably to say we can up our offers to these RFA guys a little bit and increase the term on these contracts. And that'll help us long-term moving forward, planning our salary cap in the future. Given the lack of depth, how, how much trouble would this team be in if they had two long-term injuries to their top six? Like if all of a sudden two of those top six are out for a couple of months and we're talking about Nick Waugh and Will Carrier playing first or second line roles for a couple months. Like, is that enough that this team could be fighting for a playoff spot again next season? I think absolutely. Because, I mean, scoring is obviously going to be the huge, huge question mark on this roster. And if you take away, you know, a guy or two, like, obviously, I think the easy one to point out is if Mark Stone's back all of a sudden flares up on him again and you're removing, 
you know, one of the guys that's going to be counted on to put the puck in the net next year. I mean, it's going to be really tough. Now, I mean, Nick Waugh, you know, flashed at times in the top six, especially early on in the season when William Carlson was out. And Waugh, I think, kind of style meshed pretty well with Jonathan Marcheseau and Riley Smith. But still relying on that, you know, over a longish period of time to create offense, especially at five-on-five where you're already without Pacioretty, is going to make things really difficult for this team. And they're really going to have to commit to, like I said, a different way of winning, which I think might be a struggle early on. I mean, you look at how Bruce Cassidy's teams have played compared to how Pete DeBoer's teams have played, at least with the Knights the last couple of years, Cassidy's teams have much lower five-on-five offense. They're exceptional defensively, both at five-on-five on on a penalty kill. And then they try to squeak by by, you know, getting extra power play goals compared to their opponent. And obviously it's led to a lot of success over the last couple of years. Um, But that definitely hasn't been the Golden Knights MO. They've been outscoring teams at five on five for the most part um, in bunches. They haven't necessarily been the strongest of a special teams uh, team, and they haven't especially outscored opponents on the power play. So it would be really interesting to see if they have those guys go down, whether they would have to lean into kind of more of the Cassidy identity, which I think would be different than what they've done moving forward. And that would be kind of their formula for success. But even if they can pull that off, um, the amount of goals that I think, you know, they could even potentially squeeze out of this roster just probably wouldn't be enough to not have them be on some kind of bubble, whether it's in the you know, Pacific division, which I think has a chance to at least be decently competitive at the top next season, or even in the wild card where there's going to be a number of teams in the Western conference kind of duking it out for those kind of final spots. Uh, quickly, uh, I assume you saw the comments from Pacioretty on the town, uh, the inference from media. I don't think he used the exact word there about the softness of it. Um, wish he would have said some of that stuff on the exit interviews with the media. He did not. What did you make of it? And I feel, you know, I think everyone feels bad about the injury now on the Achilles, but what did you make of him saying that, you know what, it's 80 degrees and we go play golf. And if this was anywhere else, you know, town would be blown up. Yeah, obviously tough news for Max Pacioretty tearing his Achilles. He's out six months. Uh, Obviously, that trade uh, suddenly looks a lot more favorable to the Golden Knights. Um, In terms of what he said uh, on the Raw Knuckles podcast, I do think uh, people need to understand the context around, you know, those quotes because I kind of saw the same two quotes floating around the Internet uh, without actually, like, kind of going through the whole thing. One of the interesting things, that uh, about that interview is that Patchetti one you know talked about how he felt there was you know no accountability uh, with the Knights and he definitely felt that compared to obviously being in Montreal where everyone in terms of fans you know media even internally the pressure there is just so intense and he felt that kind of made him focus and be a better player one of the examples he gave about how there is no accountability with the Knights he's like I would have a bad game and then I would walk into the building the next day and someone would come up to me and say hi to me. And he's like, what? We're supposed to look at the floor and walk past each other and not say anything. <laughs> so Pacioretty's example of, like, there's no accountability is, like, we're saying hi to each other in the hallways. That also, I think it's pretty important to say that it might just be a Pacioretty thing. Like, he's an intensely competitive guy. He really likes being coached hard. And so I think it's important to put into context that, you know, some people like different approaches compared to others, and Pacioretty might be just more, you know, intense 
than a lot of people. And like I said, that can be good or bad. I mean, there are probably times when the Knights needed more intensity, especially last year when things weren't going well. Um, but I also think it's fair to point out that, you know, while Pacioretty is saying, you know, this team has kind of no accountability, his first three years with the Knights were wildly successful in terms of making it to two NHL semifinals. And, of course, you know, a first-round exit that you know, was uh, pretty controversial, to say the least. So the Knights have done well in this environment. Now, obviously, maybe it just didn't rear its ugly head as to the effect this had until the team kind of faced real regular season adversity last year um, and clearly didn't handle it well, despite all the injuries. Obviously, this team did not play up to even the potential that it still had on the ice, losing six of its last nine games. But I do think it's important to understand the context of, like, Patrick is just a very intense guy. Obviously, the Knights have still had a fair amount of recent success. Uh, but I am interested, especially when training camp rolls around and we start to see some of these other players kind of come back, uh, to get their thoughts on that in the locker room, whether there are changes kind of being implemented based on the reaction to last season. Because I think we even heard hints from other guys like, you know, Mark Stone, that they didn't have a good training camp last year, that they didn't maybe take it as seriously as they should have after their deep runs. And I'm curious whether we'll see kind of a, a correction to that heading into this fall. Well, he has been goats from the review journal recently married in the great state of Iowa. Ben, we appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Ben. Great us. stuff. Thanks so much guys. So there has been goats. And now we've got tickets to give away four pack of tickets to the three ice playoff championship Saturday, August 20th at Orleans arena. You'll also be qualified to win four rinkside tickets and a VIP meet and greet before the game. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number four at 702-364-1100. You want a four pack of tickets to the three ice playoff championship. McDonald still has it. Asia comes out on her. They're going to be forced to give it to Parker. Parker throws on a rejected by Wilson. Put this one in the refrigerator. It's over. 8.7 on the clock. 95 90. Crowd on their feet. Back to the press box, summer edition. Jared, what do we have? Like three minutes before we go to break? Yeah, pretty much. All right. We'll talk about the aces later because I got more than three minutes on it. Okay. So, Can I ask you guys a real quick question? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers said an honorary black belt. That should be, that shouldn't be happening. Like, how does that even? Right. Like, I guess I own a black belt, did so just, I'm an honor. Did he just go through the ceremony of getting the black belt presented to him by a, he didn't do anything to earn it? I have no idea. He literally, he, when he was listing, I'll play the sound again. Let me. He, I want to win a championship. I've had all this individual success I could possibly ever have dreamed of accomplishing. I've got four MVPs. I'm an honorary black belt. I'd like to uh, to win another Super Bowl. <laughs> what? what is the weirder thing we've? I mean, what the, does that have anything to do with the NFL and the four MVPs? Is that is so? Aaron Rodgers' career highlights are I've won four MVPs, one Super Bowl. Some guy gave me a black belt. Yeah. And, like that's one and two on his career achievements. But also remember when he was talking about the ayahuasca, he was like back to back MVP seasons and I'm a better lover. <laughs> like that it's is, just, that is, true. that is true. He's getting, it's getting to that point of like, dude, you're just play football, man. We all have black belts. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, are they honorary? <laughs> 
I mean, uh, you'd like to do a ceremony right now. You do. have an honorary black belt. All right. I can't figure out the right answer to this. We talked to Ben Goats last segment, and he got married in Iowa. That sounds terrible, but I'm also willing to bet it's like the cheapest wedding that's happened in the United States in the last 20 years. I mean, because it was in Iowa? Right. Based on the fact no that... Ch- if they spent a lot of money and got married in Iowa, they messed up. I mean, Cheapskate McGee over here is literally flying to Scotland yes. because it is less expensive yeah. to get married it's less in expensive Scotland. There? Oh, yeah. Our wedding in Scotland is going to be probably cheaper than if we had done it here in the United States. Even when you put in all the airfare and everything like that? Yeah. Probably. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we we you could do it cheap, but it would have been, you know, courthouse or how? at a church. I don't know how you're planning all this. Do you have like daily calls when they're eight hours ahead to talk to people? I mean, An we're email. Still, first off, we're two years out. Well, but so, eventually you're going to have to plan the, you know, the, the day and, and everything around it. A lot of emails and mm-hmm. the majority of it's planned already. Have you already been there to scout it out? No. Will you ever go there to scout it out? No. You will just show up. We're showing up. <laughs> will you? Tr- we've done a We've done a like Zoom tour of it. Okay. We did do a Zoom tour one early one morning while they were eight hours ahead. Is that just a, like an assistant walking around with an open laptop going like, pretty much. here's the... <laughs> pretty, I mean, I think it was her phone, but yeah, pretty much. <laughs> could you uh, could you like stop shaking so much? We're getting a little sick on yeah, this. Basically it. You found it on Google? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Are you gonna are you gonna like get really expensive scotch for the for the wedding or I don't know, it comes with the place. The scotch comes with the place? Uh just <laughs> base yourself on my experience over by the food. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so if they say you say we're having this many guests and they set up the menu, say, okay, add twenty. Where, we're not yeah, really bringing yeah. twenty more people, but add twenty for the food. Yeah. Where we're getting married, there's a chef on the premises, so Oh, so if you run out, he's. I'm in the assuming kitchen. he'll just make some more. He'll make some more That's food. That's the plan here. I do also enjoy we are booking a photographer, and part of the contract we sign is you must feed the photographer and any assistance <laughs> she brings. I was like, well, we probably would have, but yes, I just exactly. think it's funny this... that it's in right. And it was like, and if you don't, the photographer will leave the wedding for an hour to go feed herself. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. So is I'm it, guessing this photographer is locally based. This is, yeah. this has I'm, happened before. I'm guessing, yeah. She's yes. been to a wedding and they, they didn't, didn't have food her. for her. And she was like, well, I'm hungry. And now it's in all of her contracts that she will leave for an hour. <laughs>